Howdy, y'all, and welcome to episode number five of the Jared Berman Podcast, man. This is a special episode. It is a special episode. We have our first interview in the history of, of, of me. I've never done an interview before, and we got the interview done today. My uncle Jeffrey's going to come on the podcast. I already recorded the, the interview, um, and I'm really, really excited for you guys to see it. I'm really, really excited for you guys to see it. But we have some other stuff that we're going to dive into as well. So Yoshinobu Yamamoto is officially an LA Dodger. I still have not talked about him going to the Dodgers and the Dodgers got a super team now. <laughs> they 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 spent over a billion dollars this offseason. We're going to talk about the LA Dodgers and what they've done in this truly historic offseason and in my opinion one of the most impactful offseasons in the history of baseball but maybe in the history of sports. It's just been unbelievable to see what the Dodgers have done this offseason. Uh, we have some small moves with Mitch Garver signing with the Mariners, the Yankees and Guardians make a trade, Kevin Kiermaier resigns with the Blue Jays, and some other stuff we want to talk about. We got another segment of the MLB Mailbag. We have two questions from the viewers yourself, so if you want to be featured in the next MLB Mailbag, leave a comment down below and ask any sort of MLB question, and you'll be featured in the next podcast. Then we're going to be doing announcer impersonations, and then we have the question of the day at the end of the podcast. So yeah, leave a like, subscribe, and let's get straight into it. So how I want to do this podcast, I want to talk about Yoshinobu Yamamoto going to the LA Dodgers, 12-year, $325 million deal. That's the huge news uh, in the baseball world over the past few days. So we want to dive into that and talk about the LA Dodgers. Then I'm going to show the interview, and then we're going to talk about everything else. So first off, Yoshinobu Yamamoto is officially an LA Dodger. Can we please process that? The LA Dodgers just had one of the craziest off seasons in the history of baseball. It is, it is just unbelievable what they have really done. Um, the amount of stuff that could have gone wrong for this LA Dodgers team going into this offseason where I, it just felt like all their chips were in the table for the 2023 offseason. Last year, this rotation last year, uh, it was Clayton Kershaw, um, Julio Arias, Bobby Miller, Lance Lynn, like it's Tony Gonsolin, like that, that that rotation was not good. It was just not that good of a rotation. When it comes to playoff time, obviously they pitched pretty well during the regular season, but when it came to playoff time, we saw what this rotation was. It was not a good rotation. You look at their rotation now, it might be the best in baseball. Yamamoto, Tyler Glasdow, Bobby Miller, who's coming off a rookie season where he showed so much promise, and I just think he's gonna get better and better and better, Bobby Miller. And then you're getting Walker Bueller back. Oh my goodness, this rotation is spicy. And not only did they just do that, they brought in Shohei Ohtani, who's going to just make this lineup even better, even better. And we know what this team does in the development system, bringing up guys um, and just turning careers around. Look at what Jason Hayward did last year. He was literally one of the worst players in the game from 2016 on. And he comes over to the LA Dodgers and has one of his best hitting seasons we have ever seen from Jason Hayward. It was just an incredible resurgence. Um, James Outman, like Chris Taylor, Kike Hernandez, he was the worst player in baseball. He comes over to the LA Dodgers, suddenly he's putting up four for five nights consistently. It's just, it's just crazy. Um, um, the front office worked by the LA Dodgers, their coaching staff, which we have seen is one of the best and most effective at just resurging, uh, the, these older players and just getting the best out of these young guys. Um, so they can play to their best potential. And when you combine that with the guys with Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Otani, Will Smith, they're also getting Gavin Lux back, which is going to be massive. This team, this team, I, I know we've seen uh, the Padres, the Mets, the Yankees, all these teams that, especially the Padres, you could consider the 2023 Padres, when you look at this roster, you could easily consider it a super team. The fact that they didn't even make the playoffs 
it, it's going to make me and a lot of people probably hesitant to say, yeah, the LA Dodgers, 100%, they are a super team. I understand, but I think look at their history over the past five years of being a consistent 100-win team and over. Like, they, they, they are a super team when you consider their roster now compared to then. And, and just this coaching staff and what they can do, the atmosphere, everything. The LA Dodgers just like, they, like they're like they the most scary team in the entire game. See, I, I don't want to look, I don't want to look too far to the World Series because you can't, I mean, we're, we're fucking, we're literally not even in January yet. And we're looking at the World Series with this team because it's baseball. We saw the Texas Rangers, a team that most people didn't even have making the playoffs. I predicted them to be an under 500 team. We saw them not only make the playoffs, in a fashion that was very, very improbable, make a World Series run. But even when the playoff time came, no one thought the, the Texas Rangers were gonna win the World Series in the dominant fashion that they did. So baseball's most unpredictable sport ever. But yeah, man, bringing Yoshinobu Yamamoto in. Let's actually talk about his contract, man. A 12 year, $325 million deal. This has opt-outs after year number six and year number eight. The Dodgers have to pay an additional $50 million to the Orcs Buffalo. So pretty much it's a 12 year, $375 million contract, which is just crazy. Um, he was probably at the beginning of the offseason, most people predicted Yoshinobu Yamamoto to get like $200 million. That's crazy. And now he's getting paid $375 million when you consider the $50 million that they have to pay to the Orcs Buffaloes. That is just mind blowing. The market that was Yoshinobu Yamamoto. It's just crazy. I mean, as a 25-year-old, we know how good his stuff is. We know the history of how good he's been in the MPB. But a guy who's never even pitched in the big leagues getting $375 million on a 12-year contract for a starting pitcher. We've never seen anything like this. And yeah, Yoshinobu Yamamoto chose the LA Dodgers over the New York Mets, who offered him the exact same contract, which is very, very funny. And the New York Yankees, who offered him a higher AAV uh, with a 10-year $300 million deal, Yamamoto chose the lower annual value, but he gets the opt-outs and he gets the longer amount of guaranteed years. Um, and also the highest amount of guaranteed money for a starting pitcher we've ever seen. It's actually $1 million, exactly more than Garrett Cole got, um, which is which is pretty funny. So Yoshinobu Yamamoto getting a historic contract, um, not only for, for, for just any starting pitcher, but for a pitcher coming out of Japan that we've never seen before. So it's going to be so exciting to see what he can do in the big leagues. Um, and, and this LA Dodgers team is just going to be must-watch baseball. The LA Dodgers, man, I just can't even understate. This is an offseason that will change the course of the next 10 years for this team. It, it's just it's just crazy. This offseason is going to define the LA Dodgers, maybe their entire history of the organization. That's how impactful of an offseason that the LA Dodgers just had. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be just genuinely crazy. And we're going to see the debuts, hopefully, of Otani and Yamamoto in Korea, March 20th and 21st. It's going to be fucking electric, electric, man. So, uh, yeah, that's going to wrap up that, that segment of the podcast. Now we're moving on to the interview, y'all. I'm so excited for y'all to see this. I want to talk about a few things before you guys see this interview. First off, I want to preface. This is me and Jeffrey, my uncle Jeffrey, the guy I interviewed. This is both of our first interviews. So look, man, you can tell early on, we are a bit nervous. I've, I, look, man, I got a lot of anxiety. I've had a lot of confidence issues. So, so look, man, you could tell, especially early, bro. I was like, what the fuck? Why am I so nervous? So you could tell it might be a little bit awkward. It might be, but when you watch it all the way through, it does get a lot more better. I get more comfortable. Jeffrey gets more comfortable. And 
overall this is a learning experience this is my first interview so look man again it's not gonna be a perfect interview it's not gonna be like oh wow this is such a great like like oh my god perfect interview perfect talking look it's it's not it's not but hopefully you guys enjoy it's gonna get better as it goes on i would love and i i actually will uh have jeffrey back on on the podcast for another interview and i think it's gonna be i'm i actually i'm sorry i know it's gonna be a lot better for both of us um as we were both nervous we were both nervous for some reason so uh yeah go enjoy the interview and and, and yeah appreciate it we have our first interview today jeffrey miller jeffrey allen miller i'm so excited the first interview of the jared berman podcast standing in at 510 160 pounds he's a fitness pro a 20-year sports performance professional and i'm very excited to have my uncle jeffrey on the podcast welcome to the podcast pleasure to be here awesome looking forward to it so how can i help you and help your viewers to all right move better feel better and perform better all right great i'm so excited to have you on so do you think there is a negative correlation that the pitch clock has between the injury increase and overall the severity of the injury. I have a quote from Max Scherzer saying, Keith Meister and Neil Elitrosh have both said that arm injuries have been more severe. No, not a little bit. Again, everything's gonna have an impact, but again, you want to, uh, what you want to do is pitchers are going, they're throwing a lot. So recovery should be pretty uh, up there. So I'm going to talk about recovery. Also, your joints need to dissipate the stress from uh, base, baseball. So again, if you're not doing joint health um, and doing some correctives, uh, you're, yeah, you're gonna get injured over here. But again, in, why elbows and shoulders are getting injured, it's through activities, habits, and previous injuries. So again, so you have to take that into consideration. All right, great. So how do you like the changes in the arm and body training Oh, recently and do you what do you think the future looks like for baseball training and how do you think it's improved it's improved definitely a lot because again now we're, we're aware in multiple sports like we'll say pitchers if you're a right-handed pitcher we throw with our left hand create balance if you're a right-handed golfer you have to hit the ball you know tiger plays 18 holes lefty phil plays um 18 holes righty so you want to create balance so we're aware of that so again repetitive overuse but now we're you know baseball weighs five ounces now they're using one ounce baseballs to up to 10 ounce ace baseball so just to give your nervous system and muscles different stimulus so you don't want to keep doing that over there yeah no that makes sense that makes sense with the whole weighted ball weighted balls have become huge um, and, and improving like just everything has changed compared to back in the day. also you know part of recovery is you know um tissue health so like we're in i i know that in the golfing world where they should be doing this in the baseball world you know after playing six hours a pro play six hours of golf he'll though the therapist will take off their shoes and give them some foot therapy massaging and go after hands because again if i was a, if you're gripping something like this you need to do some trigger release on your hands same thing you have rigid cleats and you see in or hockey, hockey uh, skates again so soon if i was a pitcher i'd be getting my shoes off and getting massages and doing work in my hands some of them do some of them don't but they should at least have the option to do that that's where the coaching staff yeah. and uh, the athletic trainers come in yeah no just overall we have so much more information on everything so right. it makes it easier for recovery training and everything like that so um, why do you think that pitchers don't pitch deeper into games? Obviously, over the past 20, 30 years, um, pitchers usually back in the day could go upwards of 120, 130 pitches pitched long, a lot of innings. But as of recently, especially over the past few years, 
those innings and the amount of pitches that pitchers are allowed to pitch due to the risk of injury have significantly decreased. So one word, posture, bad posture. Again, you're hunched over like this. Again, that's the, how many people do you see uh, riding on a shopping cart in the supermarket? They're hunched over, they can't pick themselves up. So if I have bad posture, that's as far as I can raise up my hand. If I'm a pitcher, that's not good. So if I reset my posture, notice the range of motion. So again, so we're, we're tight here, we're weak over here. We're tight here, we're weak over here, so you can see a pattern. Our foot needs to be stable, our ankles need to be mobile. Stable knee, mobile hip, stable low back, mobile shoulder, stable scapula. And again, if something if something's out of alignment, you're gonna get injured. Also with shoulder, again, speed plus power equals success. Um, and so there's an acronym called SPACE, S-P-A-C-E, speed, power, accuracy, consistency, and efficiency. If a pitcher is not doesn't have one of those, they can get away with it for a couple of years, but they're going to break down. So in the golf world, they they call it durability. You know, so, you know when, it, when you're 15 years old and you're a great golfer, they want you to be better at 25. So, but then this is the process where you have to do to you know. So you don't want to overdo it even at age of 15, even if you're a baseball player or a pitcher. You know, I've, I've heard stories where you know this one picture you know when a 12 year old has Tommy John surgeries they're just that's that's the orthopedic saying it's booming right now um and so that's going to be a weak link then they'll have a great high school great college and then they make it to the pros but then they're going to break down again so again previous injuries going to affect the quality of their movement you want to get strong in awkward positions that's why most sports that I stopped using machines 20 years ago because I was seeing with other trainers and therapists athletic trainers with what they're doing with their Olympic athletes and their professional athletes, they're training movements, not isolations. Again, no pitcher should be raising a dumbbell up overhead. That's if, if you want to have a quality health or quality shoulder. Same thing, golfers don't bench press. They don't do any shoulder head. They don't do that, but now they're being educated. Years ago, yeah, um, baseball players and we'll say golfers would be doing all kinds of, of machine training and they got away with it, but now they know that if they want to be healthy, you got to keep the tissue healthy. Okay, yeah, I appreciate that. That was a lot of information, a lot of information, and, and we appreciate it. So um, what's your opinion on load management and just the fact that pitchers and players in general tend to take the rest day more than usual, especially back in the day, where it felt like people were just grinding through, and that was common malpractice, but nowadays, uh, players are encouraged to really rest and and recover. Yeah, again, right now in the past ten years, sleeping, hydration, um, and breathing. Again, th th that's you can see exercises going down the list. Rule number one: when you exercise, never get injured. That's number one. And number that's two true. is to. Uh, train to decrease your risk of injury and number three is to train to improve your performance again these young uh, athletes want to go right to performance but again how many people get injured right in the weight room so again so you know if, if so we what they do is they train um professional baseball players different than college baseball players and you say that with all the sports because you know if you're a college um, um say hockey player and you get injured there's another player to take your place you know if you're doing olympic lifts to a pitcher that's making 25 million dollars a year and he gets injured while he's working with you guess what the owner's not going to be too happy so uh then you get hit so they, they i've heard this before that they work they train professionals different than college athletes yeah no i i yeah that that makes sense um do you think there's been a, a, a difference in just 
players with like our players like weaker because of them not being able to pitch as longer as say like 50 years ago where it was common where pitchers were pitching over 300 innings a season yeah. and do you think there's a difference in like the actual players how strong they are no that, from my from what i hear in in the other with other trainers in the industry um in, when they train with the baseball players they're stronger you know you know that you know so no one's getting weaker um yeah there's you know the you know again they're the good ones that are not getting injured they're more efficient you know they you know they take rest and recovery more more seriously and, and nutrition and again so and also you know it's, it depends on you know some teams uh travel different time zones and i've heard that affects your uh your position like a couple yeah, years ago uh, the Yankees played 27 innings in 24 hours, a double hitter on Monday and another game the next day. And that, they had a fly to it. So again, yeah. if you're, if you're already hired and you have a weak link, you're just going to get, that's an injury waiting to happen. So yeah. Yeah. In 2021, they had like a ton of double headers because of the lockout. So that was what that, that probably caused some injuries because they were playing like at least like 10 double headers pretty much every single team because they started the season late. so and also another thing i heard is this we don't take this seriously um i, I just heard this a couple of weeks ago fathers so if you're if you're like 20 years old or 25 years old and you have a newborn you're not getting sleep at, at night which is going to affect how you perform the next day yeah i've heard yeah. that a couple of weeks ago uh, and again yeah. so um because again that's where lack of sleep comes in yeah. um and what they're doing again from the basketball world is they hook the athletes up to sensors and they can tell you exactly how much sleep I they got the, the quality of sleep because if i'm a if i'm an owner paying you 20 million dollars a year i don't want you staying up night playing video games because again your reaction could be off a split second and that could be a win or a loss same thing with pitching yeah. too you know if your reaction's um off um yes your risk of injury goes up and again you, you have access to all these um information but do you take do you follow it that's the question is yeah, no, do you think, do you think bed, um, like your bed, because I've seen commercials where they have these, like, it was like 80% of NFL players use sleep mattress or this specific brand of bread where it's a high quality bed and then like uh, adjust to your movement. Do you think that has an effect? No, I think they're paid sponsors again. Um, again, I, I, yeah, it's, um, I think there's, there's this endorsing the product. Um, the mattress, again, it does it, again, we can talk about sleeping positions. Um, and th again, that's where they, they're sleep experts. So yeah, I would, uh, you know, again, if you if, if I was a paid ball player making $20 million a year, I'd be taking my sleep seriously and getting the best quality yeah. mattress, um, sheets, but then, but there's bad sleeping positions and there's good sleeping positions, but I don't want to get into it. I'm just le letting you know that. Yeah, no, I, I remember I saw a pitcher, Kensa Maeda, and he says he sleeps like 16 hours before he pitches every single time. And it just shows like how important it was. And I think he, he got injured before, like at, during a start because he said like, I, I only got like 12 hours of sleep. Probably the sleep experts who I know, which they are sleep experts who that are in the fitness industry. That's, you know, Stanford University. Yes, yeah, Stanford University. That's where the REM cycle came out of. And they, between seven and nine hours is good. Um, yeah. But again, you get if you're, if you're sleeping that long, he's got to have an awesome dynamic warm up just to get yeah. the joints uh, lubricated and hydrated. So again, so again, yeah. that's where hydration. Again, again, good dynamic warm up. I've seen again. If you're tight, you stretch it. If you're not tight, you don't need to spend time stretching. 
And wow. when, when someone says they feel tight and we do an assessment um, and we say that their range of motion is, 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 is good, you're in the right range, that means your fascia is tight, it means the muscles are not firing at the right sequence. That's another reason that, you know, some, some athletes will utilize, um, you know, movement preparation. And again, I, yeah. and if you go to any commercial gym, 80% of the people, the amateurs are doing it incorrectly. So it's a trial and error. Because again, yeah. laying, you know, because your sport is done standing. So sitting on a leg extension machine is not going to make you a better athlete. Yes, they still make them and people still use them. But again, yeah. you're trying, you, you want to move, use as many body parts as possible and as many muscles as possible. And that's where, uh, you know, you know, doing chopping movement, pushing, pulling, rotating. And again, and, and you know, getting strong in awkward positions and putting, you know, that's how you, you move so better. Important. Yeah. So I think that's going to wrap it up. Okay. I awesome. thought you provided a lot of information. I appreciate okay. you for being the first guest of the Jared Berman hopefully podcast. You'll have me back again. So yeah, no, he'll, he'll, he'll hopefully be back. You'll be back. Okay. Awesome. So yeah, that's going to wrap it up um, and enjoy the rest of the podcast. All right. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that interview. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that interview, man. Um, yeah, man, hopefully, hopefully everything went well. You guys learned something and, and yeah, again, as I said before, it will get better. It will get better. And hopefully you guys again, enjoyed it. And, and, and hopefully you learned something, but I, I, I mean, he's a really, really smart guy, really, really smart guy. He's helped me a lot. Um, and helping me, I mean, just having a physical trainer like Jeffrey as an uncle, it, it's definitely helpful a, a lot, a lot in a lot of ways. So, uh, now let's move on to Mitch Garver signing with the Seattle Mariners on a two year, $24 million deal. Mitch Garver is one of my favorite players in the game. The playoff run and just a year that he had in 2023, he had an 870 OPS for the Texas Rangers during 87 regular season games. And then we saw what he did in the postseason. He had a huge grand slam against the Orioles. He had huge hits in the World Series. And overall, he was one of the most important and impactful players for the Texas Rangers being in that fourth and fifth slot uh, throughout the entire postseason. Mitch Garver is just a dog. He's just a great hitter, a great hitter. And I love the fit with the Seattle Mariners. I think this is a great deal. You didn't have to pay him a lot. And, and as I said before, I just think the Mariners, what they need obviously is hitting. Their lineup is, is the main part where like, it's not that good. Um, adding Mitch Garver, who's gonna bat fifth, um, consistently in this lineup, I think is going to be massive. Him and Cal Rowley, I think is pretty much exactly like Jonah Hyman, Mitch Garver last year. And we saw how successful it was, especially in the postseason. I think Cal Rowley, Mitch Garver, it's going to be so great for the Texas Rangers. It's going to be such a perfect fit. Um, Mitch Garver, you just know what you're going to get with Mitch Garver. He's a great hitter, a great power hitter. He walks a lot consistently over his career. He's had uh, over a 10% walk rate last year at a 12.8% walk rate. And he hits tanks, man. Mitch Garver just hits tanks, bro. Any pitcher that Mitch Garver, I just think Mitch Garver does everything at the plate. He lines the ball the other way. He stays through it. He stays calm. And if you leave anything over the middle of the plate, Mitch Garver is probably going to hit it. He had a 138 WRC plus last year. Um, his, his defense as a catcher is not the greatest. So I don't think he's going to come in there. Um, and be their primary catcher, but I think he will come in there and be their primary DH. And I think he is an upgrade uh, over Eugenio Suarez, who, I mean, he was their third baseman last year, but I think batting Mitch Garver fifth compared to Eugenio Suarez fifth, it's just a totally different role because Mitch Garver, when there's runners in scoring position, though I love and respect Eugenio Suarez and what he does as a player, 
I just think Mitch Garver's better. I think Mitch Garver's better, and I think he's going to provide, again, a ton of value. The Mariners are going to go out there and get some more guys. I think Cody Bellinger is an option for the Mariners. Um, Matt Chapman is also another option. They obviously just traded a Juan Suarez, so I think um, Matt Chapman, really, they could be uh, legitimately targeting Matt Chapman. So this Mariners team, I'm excited. I love this move. I think if you add, again, a guy like Matt Chapman or Cody Bellinger, it's just going to make this lineup significantly better. And I really, really uh, love what Mitch Garver does bring for the Seattle Mariners. So Yankees and Guardians, man, they make a trade. They make kind of a big trade. It's not a big trade. I actually have a good amount of opinions on this trade. So it's a one-for-one -one deal. Esteban Floreal going to the Cleveland Guardians in exchange for Cody Morris going to the New York Yankees. So first off, I want to talk about Esteban Floreal, a 26-year-old center fielder. Um, he's been in the Yankees organization for a long time, and he has consistently been an incredible player in AAA. I think he had a 950 OPS last year uh, when he was primarily in AAA for most of the season. And whenever he does come up in the big leagues, which I think he's come up at least four or five times because he has no options left. So you can't send him down to the minors without just releasing him. And he was straight up just not that good in the big leagues. The Yankees never gave him a consistent shot. The most amount of games that he actually did play in a single um, like call up, like they called him up and gave him this amount of games was 19 games last year. And I, and he wasn't that good. He had an 83 WRC plus the power numbers were really, really bad. He did walk a good amount, which is 10%, which is a good sign. But overall, this guy who, I mean, has been unbelievable in AAA Yankees never gave him over 20 games to even like get into the rhythm of a big league season. So the Guardians are giving him a chance, and I don't think the Yankees would have given him a chance in the near-time future. Again, he has no options left, so they can't send him down to the minors. And um, the Cleveland Guardians are a team that really does not have a center fielder. Last year, uh, Miles Straw, and overall the past three years, Miles Straw has consistently been their center fielder. He, he, he is bad. He is one of the worst hitters in the entire game. So I think this is a good fit. Him going to the Cleveland Guardians, a team that uh, needs a center fielder. And I think Esteban Floreal if given a full shot, which the Cleveland Guardians intend to do so, I think it's a really, really great fit to see what Esteban Floreal can really do with a full sample size in the big leagues. The Yankees getting back Cody Morris. Um, Cody Morris is an interesting guy. He had a 6'7 ERA last year, a 27-year-old right-hander. And, and it's, it's just it's just such a Yankees trade. He's got a super high spin rate. He's got options left, so the Yankees can send him down to the minors. He has been a starter in, in his career, but... Um, I, I would not be surprised if he is coming out of the bullpen. And yeah, it's one of those trades for the Yankees. Um, Esmael Floreal does not have the future with you. There's no um, reason to really keep them. You are probably going to release Esmael Floreal if you did not trade him. And you're getting a guy who you think you can turn into an effective bullpen arm um, or potentially a low-end starter. So I like the move for both sides. And again, I'm wishing Esmael Floreal a lot of luck. And I really um, hope he gets his full shot in the big leagues. That's all you can ask for. Um, as a Guardians fan, as a baseball fan, Forrest Ball Floreal, uh, see what you can really do with a full shot in the big league. So I'm excited to see what he can do with the Guardians. I mean, Kiermaier, y'all, Kevin Kiermaier is back with the Toronto Blue Jays on a one-year $10 million contract. I talked about it in my TikTok, man. Go, go, go check out my TikTok, man. I also do post it on YouTube shorts. So if you don't want to, you don't have TikTok, which TikTok is a dog shit app, get off of TikTok. But if you do have TikTok, go follow me. Uh, um, I don't use TikTok, by the way. Like TikTok genuinely... I despise social media in general outside of YouTube, which I abuse and I actually need to like lower my usage of YouTube. But obviously you guys watching this right now probably have the same problem that I do just being on social media too much. But uh, yeah, go follow me on TikTok and stuff. But Kevin Kiermaier coming back to the Toronto Blue Jays. Did anyone really expect this? I was not. When I was thinking Kevin Kiermaier, I'm like at least five to 10 teams have a market for Kevin Kiermaier. I'm like, 
the Padres really, really would be a perfect fit for Kevin Kiermaier. I'm sorry, y'all. I just got to say this. Uh, SMO Floreal last year in AAA in 101 games had 28 home runs. Had 28 home runs, okay? Look, man, Guardians fan, get excited. Get excited, man. Hopefully, y'all can turn him into something. But uh, Kevin Kiermaier, man, an elite defender. You know what you're going to get with Kevin Kiermaier. And, and the way I look at it, man, Kevin Kiermaier, if he's batting ninth in your lineup, he is going to, you're probably a good baseball team. The value that Kevin Kiermaier provides, being one of the best defenders and center fielders in the entire game, playing so hard, being such a fast guy, um, and being a contact-oriented guy who is very average at the plate, which is the most best, like the best thing you could say about Kevin Kiermaier. He provides so much value to a team. He just makes a team better. He plays so hard. He's one of the best defenders in center field that I'll ever see. Like it's him, Jackie Bradley Jr., and, and that's about it, bro. Out on the outfield, it's just unbelievable what those two guys do. Kevin Kiermaier, um, he, being 33 years old, I'm surprised he only got a one-year deal. Um, I, I really thought, the, again, the market being so high, I thought at least five to 10 teams um, were a perfect fit for Kevin Kiermaier and we're going to be interested in him. Um, the fact that the Blue Jays got him back on a one-year $10 million deal, Kevin Kiermaier wanted to go back to Toronto, uh, give it another shot. He had a really, again, just great season last year with the Blue Jays. He's been one of the most consistent players in the entire game over the past, uh, throughout his entire career, really. I mean, uh, Kevin Kiermaier, every single year, it just feels like he's the exact same player, and he provides so much value to a team. So uh, for the Blue Jays, I, I love the move bringing him back. You got him on a great contract only a one-year deal. It's a perfect fit. He makes you a better team. Um, and, and, and yeah, I'm surprised. I, I'm really, really surprised, man. Let me know in the comments, man. Uh, if you're also surprised, like Kevin Kiermaier, I really thought um, a lot of teams would be interested. And I thought he might potentially get paid a lot more. Like a three or $40 million. Like I didn't think that was out of the realm for Kevin Kiermaier and what he's done uh, over his entire career. And being he's only 32 years old, uh, I think he's still got at least three or four more years of being what he has been uh over the past few years so next segment of the podcast we got the mlb mailbag man mlb mailbag man i'm real. i really do love mlb mailbag uh getting your guys's questions this is like like the best part man i want to do this consistently so again leave your fucking questions down below any questions that you guys got i mean this podcast is probably not going to get um at least over 100 views i mean if it gets over 100 views i'm happy but there's not going to be a ton of questions. So any questions that you have, you will be featured in the next podcast. So the first question comes from Juan Torres on TikTok, man. Shout out to Juan. Uh, when Yamamoto signs with the Yankees, this was before he signed with the Dodgers, obviously. Will they have a chance for the World Series? But I want to talk about with this question, uh, the Yankees actually offering Yamamoto a 10-year, $300 million contract. And is it really a, a huge miss for the Yankees that they didn't sign Yamamoto when a lot of Yankees fans... Uh, really were like, we need Yamamoto right fucking now. We need him. We need him. We need him. As a Yankees fan myself, I want to I wanna bring an unbiased point of view to, to this question. So the Yankees didn't need to re really bring in Yamamoto. I don't, I, I mean, if the Yankees brought in Yamamoto, I would have been the most hyped person on the planet. I would have been like, yo, this is the 2024 Yankees were the best team in the game. No lie. But I, I think when you consider that it would have been a 10-year $300 million contract. The fact that the Yankees have already invested. Garrett Cole, $300 million. Carlos Rodon, we signed him last offseason. Motherfuckers forget. We just did this last year with Carlos Rodon. A six-year, $162 million deal. And we have a lot of pitchers. We still have Clark Schmidt. We still have Nestor Cortez. And, and the fact that the Yankees' problem last year was not their starting pitching. Even without getting Yamamoto, which again, I would have loved to have him, but I think the long-term perspective, 
I don't think it was smart to actually bring in Yoshinobu Yamamoto. My main point that I actually forgot to say when I was talking about this is the fact that the Yankees' priority, their number one priority this offseason, has to be re-signing Juan Soto. You just traded so much to get a generational talent where you're going to have to pay him 450 maybe $500 million this offseason. So um, when you bring in a guy like Yamamoto where you're going to be paying him at least $30 million a year, that could limit you um, in potentially re-signing Juan Soto, which again should be the main priority. The Yankees rotation, as I said before, is still willing and able, and I think it is a World Series caliber rotation, um, and it's not incapable of, of not winning a World Series. You have to put your trust in Carlos Rodon because you did pay him all this money. He did deal with injuries last year. And I still think Carlos Rodon, uh, the stuff last year that he did show, even though he dealt with injuries, I still think he's able uh, to be a really, really good pitcher in 2024. That's just what the Yankees have to trust for. Again, I, I would have loved to have Yamamoto, but the, the priority has got to be re-signing. Juan Soto, he's your generational talent. You just traded all this for us. So, uh, yeah, that's my opinion on why, in my opinion, uh, the Yankees um, signing Yamamoto was shouldn't have been like a, a, as a priority as a lot of people thought. The next question we got from Charles Connor, 6720, man. Shout out to Charles, man. Shout out to Charles, bro. I really appreciate uh, the support, Charles Connor. He's a real one. He's a, he's a, he's a real one, man. I, I love you so much. Uh, what teams do you think will bounce back from last year and possibly make the playoffs despite bad seasons in 2023 shout out to charles connor that's a really great question there's going to be a lot charles connor i just want to say there's going to be a lot we look at it um 2022 to 2023 just off the top of my head the baltimore orioles um the blue jays they did make the playoffs the twins i don't think made the playoffs uh the guardians missed the playoffs after making the playoffs the texas rangers won the world series uh the seattle Mariners made the playoffs and they didn't make the playoffs i mean marlins were a team that made the playoffs um and the arizona diamondbacks so that was a lot of teams that didn't make the playoffs and made the playoffs. And then also teams that were supposed to make the playoffs or did make the playoffs. Also the St. Louis Cardinals, New York Mets, uh, San Diego Padres. Like a lot of teams, like there is so much motion uh, last year when we look at teams that did make the playoffs and then didn't make the playoffs and then the other way around. So some obvious answers I just want to say off rip is uh, the San Diego Padres. Um, yeah, they're coming off a bad year and the roster is worse when you look at it just from an objective standpoint, losing Blake Snell, losing Josh Hader, losing Juan Soto, who was their best player last year. Um, uh, but this team, when you look at it, it's still a playoff team. They, they, they should be a playoff team. They've got to get better. Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to win the MVP. I already said it before. So the San Diego Padres, you look at this team, they're getting Joe Musgrove back. You Darvish hopefully can stay healthy. They're getting Michael King, who's going to be a massive part of this rotation. Um, they still got Machado, Bogarts, Hassan Kim. Like, this team is loaded. They've got to be a playoff team. They've got to be a playoff team. Another team I want to look at is, is the Chicago Cubs. I believe I'm all in on the Chicago Cubs in 2024. Um, they still had a really great year. And I want to talk about more teams that, like, actually had bad seasons when the Cubs... Still, when you think about it, they won 83 games and 79 losses. Like, they had a really good season when you consider the expectations. But, uh, yeah, the Cubs, I fully expect them to be a playoff team. They bring in Craig Council. These teams got more time to develop. We don't know if they're going to bring Cody Bellinger back. But uh, this team has an electric roster. Um, and, and we saw in the second half of last year, this team was a real legit. Like, I, I, like could this team make a run for the World Series? Obviously, they fell off in the last, like, three weeks. But um, I still expect this team to have a bounce back year and potentially win the AL Central like I really um I'm sorry the NL Central like I, I really really do believe uh, in the 2024 Chicago Cubs a team I kind of want to talk about is the Kansas City Royals a team that co that's coming off 56 wins and they come out here and make the playoffs man I I talked about it in like three podcasts ago 
I do believe in the Royals. I do believe in them, man. The offseason that they've had, I've loved every move that they've had. They brought in Seth Lugo and Michael Walker. Two beautiful moves. Uh, Damn. Those two dudes are going to be massive for the for the Kansas City Royals. Then you have Cole Reagans, Brady Singer. Like, this rotation should be good. It should be good. You got the development of Bobby Wood Jr., Vinny Pascantino coming back, MJ Melendez, Salvador Perez is still there, Michael Garcia. They have such a young roster. Um, and and I think if some of these young guys can step up, like Kyle Isbell's a guy I love, uh, Drew Waters. They also have a guy, Nelson Velasquez is such a great player. He had such an underrated year last year, and he's going to get a massive part of what this team can do. I, I, I love it. I love it. And I, I don't know if the playoffs, the playoffs are not realistic. They, they just aren't realistic. But if this team doesn't improve, I'm going to be completely shocked. Like it's going to be something like the Reds, the Reds. I mean, also the Reds, the Reds are a team I think are, are going to make the playoffs. Like the, the, I think the NL Central is going to be a division, man. The Brewers are still there. I don't love the Brewers, but um, the, the Reds, the Cubs, man, I love all um, uh, not three of those. I love the Cubs and the Reds, man. I really think those teams are going to have huge years. San Francisco Giants are another team. I love them. I think they have the potential, even though the roster, like you're like, this team is not that good. They got some good role players, but for some reason, I believe in the Giants next year. They, they were 79 and 83 last year. I don't know, man. It's it's gonna be tough because I, the 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 NL is so tough. They have so many teams that are gonna be competitive. Their division specifically, they have four teams that are like these four teams could all, they should they should all be playoff teams. So it's gonna be so competitive. It's gonna be so competitive baseball in 2024. It was really competitive in 2023, but it's, there's gonna be a lot of turnaround. I would not be shocked if at least five or six teams that didn't make the playoffs last year do make the playoffs when we're talking the entire uh, 30 teams so uh it's gonna it's gonna be crazy and again i those are the teams that i think i'm keeping an eye on and i expect to uh, make big jumps and potentially make the playoffs charles connor i want to do some quick announcer impersonations y'all i want to do some quick announcer impersonations man i just want to i mean announcers are such a big part of the game such a big part of the game i want to be i mean i it's an unrealistic goal but I mean, and that's a lot of people's dreams to be an MLB announcer. So um, announcers are just so important and they make the game more fun. It really helps improve the the aspect of watching. Like having a good announcer makes you want to watch the game more rather than having a bad announcer makes you want to turn the game off. So I want to give a quick shout out to some of the best home run calls. And and just like I want to I want y'all to rate my announcer impersonations and I would love to rate some of y'all's announcer impersonations as well. Retired Chicago White Sox announcer Ken Harrelson. Um, he's got the best home run call, in my opinion, of all time. You can put it the boy. Yes! Yes! That is the best fucking call ever. You can put it the boy. Yes! Yeah, that is the best announcer call ever, ever, man, ever. And I'm so sad, bro, because right when I got into baseball, this dude retired. So I didn't really get to fully experience him and like listen to him for a full game. But I've obviously seen some of his highlights. It's just it's just legendary, bro. It's such a legendary call. You can put him on the board. Yes, man. And I never knew it was board, bro. I, I, for, I forgot what I used to think it was when I was like eight years old, uh, when I was first getting into baseball. I just thought he was like, you can put him on the board. Yes. Yes, it's just the way he says it, man. It's such a creative call as well. So uh, shout out to Ken Harrelson. One of the most legendary calls in the modern era of broadcasting. First pitch crushing. Oh, Tony. Oh my God, what a legendary call. Matt Vescursion's got some of the best calls of all time. 
Put Matt Vasquez back on Sunday Night Baseball. I cannot stand we have fucking Carl Ravage, man. Respect to Carl Ravage. If you're somehow watching this, I respect you. It's just that Matt Vasquez better. I'm sorry, bro. Matt Vasquez was, in my opinion, maybe the best announcer of all time. I love Matt Vasquez. That is such a legendary call. I think it was the first Sunday Night Baseball game of the year in 2021, which ended up being one of the best seasons of all time with Shohei Otani. The scenario was like Otani, um, he pitched in the first inning, the top of the first inning, comes up, leads off against the White Sox. I mean, we know the ESPN sound effects are elite, man. And you can hear like the boom and that first pitch crushing. Such a great call, man. Shout out to Matt Vasquez. It is high. It is far. It is gone. A Stantonian blast. Giancarlo Stanton. Shout out to, um, what's his name? John Sterling, man. John Sterling's the greatest radio announcer of all time. I'm going to miss this dude, bro. Another one that like, I wish I, I was born like 10 years before, just so I could fully experience John Sterling. Now, obviously I still fully experience him. He is still the radio announcer. I'm fucking 90 years old. Shout out to John Sterling. He's been here for like 50, 40 or 50 years as the Yankees radio announcer, man. But whenever I turn a Yankees game on and I hear John Sterling, I literally just smile. He's such a great announcer. And a lot of people be hating on John Sterling. And they don't appreciate him, bro. If you're actually a guy who does not like John Sterling, I guarantee, guarantee the day he retires and you hear the new guy, you'll be like, damn, I miss John Sterling. I really do, man. Everything John Sterling does, the home run calls are legendary. Glaber, man, it's Glaber Day. The Riz, like, like he's got some such creative and just, he's just such a wholesome guy. I love him and I'm going to miss him a lot, man. And he just makes uh, listening on the radio I, I just love it so much. I want to give a quick shout out to John Sterling. Also, maybe the greatest announcer of all time, Vince Scully. Vince Scully, man, another guy I didn't even get to experience. I never actually listened to a, uh, a Vince Scully game live. Like I've watched replay. Actually, bro, I remember this time, like, man, it was like during mid COVID, man, on Apple TV Plus. Um, for some reason, I had like a free subscription and I was just watching this random fucking game, Dodgers Rockies in like 1989. And I watched the entire game. And it was just Vin, it was Vince Scully just being by himself announcing it. And it was just like, damn, bro, he's so good. Like, it was just so relaxing, so enjoyable to watch. So shout out to Vince Scully, man. Genuinely a goat. Now we got the best part of the podcast, man. The question of the day. The question of the day today. Um, what day is today? Wednesday. Maybe you guys are seeing this on Thursday. I'm going to post it to Thursday. My editing skills are pretty, pretty slow. So uh, there's a lot of cuts to do in, in the thumbnail and everything. But um, is the Texas Rangers 2023 World Series 11-0 on the road, a team that was predicted to be an under 500 team or at around 500, a team that no one really took that seriously going into the season, a team that signed Jacob DeGrom, who immediately gets injured, doesn't even pitch over six games during the season. They make a trade for Max Scherzer. He doesn't even pitch in the playoffs. This team grinded and they dominated. They didn't, they did, they literally dominated people. They dominated the Tampa Bay Rays. They dominated the 101 win Baltimore Orioles. I'm telling y'all, if the Orioles won that game number three when the Rangers uh, clinched them and swept them 3 0, if the Orioles won that, man, when the Rangers battled and that was a really, really close game. The Orioles could have had a chance to get in a roll and really upset them, man. But they take care of business, sweeping the Rays and the Orioles. Then they have a series with Houston, which is one of the craziest series uh, we've ever seen. So many crazy turns and twists and turns. In game number five, when Altuve hit that crazy home run to make it a 3-2 to two series lead, Houston's up. like, And they're going home for, I think, two. And the Texas Rangers bounce back, win two straight. 
And in game number seven, dominating the Houston Astros. Like, the Houston Astros were on such a good team. Such a good team, and they fucking ass-whooped them. They completely ass-whooped them. And then they take care of business dominating the, the Arizona Diamondbacks. It's such a dominant lineup. One of the best lineups when I think you talk about just being able to put up five runs in an inning like it's nothing. Hit, 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 home run, home run. I'm like, damn, bro, y'all put up six runs? Like, they just be doing that all the time, this team. It was such a crazy run. How quickly turn around uh, this team really did. They just got, they just signed Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager out of nowhere. They timed it up perfectly where the young guys came up, were effective, and Odolis Garcia, Josh Young, Evan Carter making a huge impact in that World Series run, and then making a trade for Jordan Montgomery, who was massive, massive for why they won the World Series. And Nathan Evaldi, who they got on a really great contract, Nathan Evaldi, two years, $32 million. It was just a beautiful run that nobody appreciated. I, I might be, and nobody appreciated it. It was such a great run. Um, and and, and I, I think people will look back at it in five years and be like, damn, this team went 11 and 0 on the road. Like that is unheard of. That is, that is incredible. The story of this team, it was just incredible, man. They lost the, the division in the last day of the season. They had to fly all the way to Tampa. Um, and, and they just took care of business, man. It was an unbelievable run. Such a great, well-put-together team. This bullpen was literally trash. Literally, they had two guys that you could trust in Josh Spores and Jose LeClerc. By the way, guys who just came out of nowhere and were really, really effective, especially Jose LeClerc, man. Like, this dude's, I think, like a, a second-year, third-year uh, player out of the bullpen, and it was suddenly just un un unreal. And, and their starters were so... I mean, Nathan Evolve and Jordan Montgomery, bro. Crazy, crazy. What a run. Um, and the fact that they battled all these injuries, um, they battled being an awful team, signing these guys and the depth pieces coming up in the young guys. It was just such a great run. And yeah, I think it was one of the more underrated runs. And I think people uh, should appreciate how good of a run um, and how good of a team that the 2023 Texas Rangers were. So yeah, it's going to wrap up the podcast, man. Podcast episode number five. We're out, man. It was a, hopefully it was a good podcast, man. We had our first interview. It's a historic, it's not historic, man. Um, so yeah, leave a like subscribe appreciate any of you guys if you watched this far you obviously enjoyed it so yeah smash that smash that thumb I, I, I never said smash that smash that thumbs up button smash that fucking subscribe button smash that comment section with um a lot of a lot of cowboy emojis man and i'll, I'll see y'all y'all in the next one man